0: At Little Bird Marketing, we don't know all the answers, but we happen to know a lot of people who combined do. We've asked some big dogs, some tenacious thought leaders to share their real experiences, mindsets, and tips for managing through this difficulty. Welcome to the MR Leadership Series. These shorter, punchy interviews are geared toward powerful and candid answers to truly relevant business challenges. If you enjoy this episode, take to social media and thank a leader for volunteering their time in this way. Be sure to use the hashtag alwaysbehelping. Enjoy. If you don't follow me online, then you've missed an amazing, amazing picture of this man. So I am going to, without further ado, introduce you to AJ Kierens, the VP of Client Development at Disco. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having us, Priscilla, and that photo has been—it's uh, been—it's been amazing. I got to say, it's definitely oh. uh, been a high level of engagement, and it's good to catch up with folks just from that photo. So it's been great.
0: Oh, it's very funny. So if you've missed us on LinkedIn lately, where we've been having just a lot of fun, me and AJ. <laughs> But um, you have missed the fact that on April Fool's, our company put out an April Fool's joke of a, a punk uh, rebranding of Little Bird Marketing, and it was very retro. It was like, I don't know, Tandy. What was the computer? You said you actually knew they had the computer.
1: Yeah, it looked uh, – the first computer I ever had was like an Apple IIe, so it was that huge clunker. I think that was an earlier <laughs> model because it wasn't as clunky, but it made me just I, – I remember that. The idea of a desktop, that's where it comes from. It literally took up my entire desk and it was, it was amazing. So, yeah.
0: Um, Well, then we added actual glamour shots of our team, just as obviously a joke. And AJ got it. (laughs) And he actually said, can I please have this glamour shot rendition of my face? And then weeks later, when you pushed it out on LinkedIn, then it was a whole nother stir. And it was super fun. And it just goes to show you where people out on LinkedIn meeting other people. And I thought that was super fun, AJ.
1: Yeah, that's really been important to me. I think that one We're all doing business together and we all have to, you know, meet our goals and margins and these things. But at the end of the day, we're people choosing to work with other people. And a lot of the times those relationships are just, you know, two folks who have a a connection and trying to find that. And I I try to take some, you know, lighthearted approaches to it. And it it, when it came in my inbox from you, you know, it was the beginning of the of the scare. And I think that it really was just kind of a way it was lighthearted. It was effective and it just showed a creative thinking that wasn't something that was trying to be sold. And I was like, I would love, I just kind of was like, I would love to have mine like that. (laughs) And I was just kind of waiting. And so it just blew up really in that, you know, a couple of days we had, I think last, I, you know, I think early on, we're over 10 or 11,000 views, which is crazy. So it was, it was, mission accomplished, I guess.
0: (laughs) It comes in my notifications on LinkedIn every day. And while it might be trickling down still to this day, it's still getting some hits. So (laughs) apparently you look fantastic with a lot of bling and with a pink and purple background.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I'm wearing my pink tie. And so, I mean, I usually, uh, early on in my career and I got to bring it, I bring it back once in a while. I used to rock the bow ties at, at events and that was early on in my sales career. It was just a way for me to a lot of a lot of folks you're meeting, a lot of connections happening. But when you say you're the guy in the bow tie, it's uh, there's usually not many of those happening. So that was yeah. a good way for me to to be, get awareness of what I was doing.
0: Well, maybe you should go back to it because I gotta tell you, I didn't think to tell you this last time we spoke, but actually somebody else commented to me, "Hey, I can't believe AJ's not wearing a bow tie."
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, it, I so I, I I rocked it a couple times recently, and, and I've gotten quite a collection. Uh, so I definitely, uh, I definitely am going to be, you know, popping them out here and there, especially, you know, once the conference season kind of gets revving back up. I, right. I do, I do miss it. And for those asking, it's only you can't use a clip on. You have to be <laughs> able to learn how to tie your bow tie yourself, which
0: that was going to be my next question, AJ. Do you? I don't even understand that. Like, how how would you even go about tying that thing?
1: So. The first time I ever did it, it was like, oh, it was like you're saying. It was like, oh, I'm just going to – I decided I was going to do it and I was going to – we had an event and I was going to wear it that night and it was going to try it out. And I was late for the event by a good half hour, 45 minutes trying to figure out how to do it on YouTube. (laughs) And I mean now I can do it without looking. I've kind of gotten it down. If you can tie your shoes, you know, kind of the – the the two rabbit ears and you mm-hmm. go around it's very similar to that when you look at when you look at it um, but it does take a little uh, and it's hard to teach somebody else how to do it because a little you have to- finesse. Be behind them. But, yeah, so that's yeah. why yeah, it makes it <laughs> a little harder, harder. Well,
0: we do actually have to talk about some, a little bit of business. So you are actually mm-hmm. new over at Disco. I've known you um, uh, for much longer, but you're in a new position over there, the VP of Client Development. So for those people who are new to Disco, tell them a short version of what they do and who they're helping.
1: Uh, Really, what we're doing, I joined Disco earlier, uh, you know, February of this year, and it was really just a a great decision, you know, for me professionally. I've been in industry, which is crazy to think, uh, almost 20 years now. And what we're doing at Disco is we're really, on a simple level, we're powering powering insights through technology. And we have have been really focused on proprietary uh, first-party data, both survey and behavioral data, and we use that to really help businesses and uh, researchers make smarter decisions, really informed decisions. And it's really, like I said, proprietary. Everything we do is built in house, and it's really just really exciting. We, we don't, um, which is which is fine if businesses do, but we've made a conscious decision. We don't utilize partners. We're, we don't um, anything that we can't do ourselves, and it's not uh, something that we. Or participate in you know and it's really been a really key piece of our asset our entire audience and our technology are all proprietary more than half of our staff is engineers and uh, tech focused, so it's really great started my career I uh, was on the IT side and uh, which is and I used to be a survey programmer so I really just I love what we're doing for creative and we're really just using that to you know, products and solutions with a richer source of of consumer data. And it's really just been a really great experience. And it was a a great choice for me to, to join this really strong team.
0: Mm, That's super awesome. And, you know, technology is obviously what we're discussing at almost every event and people wanting things faster, um, but still with all of the quality intact. And so that is an interesting piece, a differentiation for Disco to be able to say, no, we're going to be completely proprietary. And that so much of the um, market research tech stack is building on with others. So that's an interesting departure from what's what's kind of the norm right now.
1: Right. And I think that. because of that, that decision has really been a keystone for us. Because we um, we believe in rich data, you know, data sets beyond just the survey data. We also do it with uh, full transparency. So you go to our um, website, surveyjunkie.com, and our panelists, our members, they're joining because they actively want to participate in research and let their opinions be heard. It's not just to uh, get more points in, you know, Candy Crush, which is a lot, lot of fun. Uh, you know, Words <laughs> of Friends, whatever you're into but it really allows them to actively participate. And so even with doing that with our behavioral data, they know that they're being tracked. There's been definitely a kind of a, uh, an area that you know, folks are being tracked and not being you know, aware of that or you know, mm-hmm. engaging uh, knowingly. And so we, everything we do is with the idea that they know that they're being tracked. They're, they're, they're participating in that and it's a one-to-one relationship. I mean, there's a great book and I know that's one of the, the questions we'll ask later, but it's Everybody Lies. And it's Mm. the idea that what you think that you do versus what you actually do um, are two different things. And you can see that by people's behaviors online and what, you know, their recall is, you know, when we first spoke, I thought it was a couple of days ago. But then when I look back, it was, you know, several weeks ago when we first discussed doing this. And it wasn't because I didn't remember that interaction, but it was just because you don't necessarily – especially, you know, during the, the COVID crisis, I think the whole, all the days blend together,
0: but I think that <laughs> especially just, the nights, AJ, especially the nights.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know they're, they're, they're cheap pops for, for tweets and jokes, but I love it when it's people are just like, today is Thursday. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> everyone, everyone kind of recalibrates and realizes what's going on. And
0: all yeah, right.
1: so it's really, that's been, it's been a, you know, that book is a great read and it's just really, uh, Insightful because I don't, it's not people who are trying to be malicious. Mm-hmm. They're just the reality of and perception are, are, are two different things.
0: Right. Well, I think that's age old. That's we've always had this problem in market research of self reporting. And you're right. It's not a lack of honesty, it's a lack of brain um, recall, like the ability for humans to truly um, see that objectively. We're, we're so subjective. And even when we wish to impart, the reason why we purchased something or how we went about researching um, what we were going to purchase all of those paths to purchase are are completely different when you get to observe them than when someone self-reports them So I, th- I think that's an age-old conundrum that people have been dealing with and I like the approach that disco has taken to it Let, let's verify let's not only verify but let's let's walk them through the journey let's see. Let, let let's let them show their work. I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Very and, cool. Uh, you know, we, we do have the ad effectiveness piece, so we really can see the full path to purchase, and mm-hmm. it's really just cool to see that. You know, to get behind some of those, you know, traditionally, you know, uh, stonewalled uh, areas of data. You know, on, on e-commerce and what have you. So it's just definitely been really. Uh, it was really exciting because I mm-hmm. think that we don't do everything. But what we do, we're really good at it. And so to have that level of focus is really important. And it's, uh, you know, it comes from the top. We have great leadership. And so the idea is that we're making these decisions and we're really just trying to be aware of that, you know, having a good experience for our, our panelists. Right. I think a lot of folks forget if people don't take surveys, there's a lot of people that don't have jobs. And so I think. It's really you have to be really respectful of their of their experience as well, and that's that's one of the things that we're focused on.
0: I love it. Well, we want to talk a little bit more about sales, and that's a good segue into the real the bulk of what we want to talk about and why I asked you to come on on the show. AJ, you were referred to me as a couple of um uh, a couple of uh, fan favorites (laughs) Uh, when I said, "Hey, who should I talk to about selling, and especially selling in a difficult time?" And we've obviously been experience, uh, experiencing this global pandemic, and a lot of salespeople have been asking for advice, what do I do now? How can I still sell? And so even as we move away from this a little bit, I would love to hear your perspective on, you know, what happened to you through, you know, the beginnings of the COVID uh, pandemic, specifically how it relates to your style of selling and your ethos, I guess, of selling. So so, what was your experience?
1: For me, it was, a, it was kind of a double whammy because I was brand new at a company and the idea of business development. So it was Getting the word out that I was at you know my new home and why I made that choice. Like I said, I've been in the industry for a while, um, really involved with the Insights Association, so there is some name recognition there, and I was aware of that, and it was a really you know important decision for me to make. And when I did that, I and then this the virus came. Everyone was kind of like, oh, it'll, you know, it'll things will slow down, but you know, no no one realized to the degree of where it would go and what it would impact people. So I realized. Uh, as events started being canceled and things were being moved online that it really had to be you had to be a little more sensitive um I always try to focus on just being a good person not even professionally but just kind of in in life and I really feel that that my personality is part of my sales uh, approach I can um I can be lighthearted I can you know I can be you know I, I like self deprecating humor I mean when it comes down to it in the trenches like I'm somebody you want next to you and I don't you know, I, I'm a hard worker and, and I, I know, I know my shit, yeah. but I also don't, I also see that, you know, the, those poor examples of as soon as you connect with somebody on LinkedIn, they immediately have a copy and pasted book oh. that they send to you. And it's like, <laughs> ah, and so I, I was really, I was really worried now more than ever that that was going to happen by, with people. And it was going to be even 10 times more insensitive because Mm -hmm. it's one thing is to do it normal day to day and you can delete it. But when people are concerned about their jobs, you know, safety of their their family and friends, and then just to be like, here's a six paragraph, you know, book that has nothing personal at all with Mm -hmm. you, you know, let's work together. And it's like, you know, like,
0: (laughs) yeah, let's not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because I think that how people are treated during this. I think you're going to build relationships that, that are going to be let, lifelong and can mm-hmm. really you can have somebody and it's going to be and there's going to be those relationships that you build with somebody you've never met before and it was and it was how this person treated me really makes me want to learn more about them outside mm-hmm. um,
0: Yeah, you've done a really good job of really capturing your personal brand and building your personal brand. And it's interesting that we started talking about the bow tie thing, but those seem kind of silly on the outside of things. But actually in sales, there are these memorable triggers that help us connect with people on an emotional level. And there are these shortcuts. And I, I think people, you know, sometimes feel like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not wacky. But I see even some introverts do some interesting things that I feel are really valuable and very authentic. And I don't think it always has to be wacky.
1: Yeah. And are you calling me, are you calling me wacky person? Well, we're, we're, we're,
0: we're both right in that spectrum. <laughs> right, Let's admit right, it. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we um, get away with murder online,
1: I gotta tell you. <laughs> yeah, which is, good. yeah, yeah. Don't try this at home. Please. No, it doesn't. It,
0: it's, it's actually super fun and you find your people. But I also don't exclude people who aren't, You know, you know, you don't have to be bizarre. It's just about being authentic. And when I find those other right. People uh, that are authentic, Kathleen, um, Kathleen Egg, um, and it's actually I call her Katie, but on LinkedIn I always have to remember that her name is Kathleen. But she is not wacky, but she's very authentic, and I love these different personalities that come out online um you know and and like for example our mutual friend uh Tacy Avdikian she is not wacky in 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 online but she has that kind of what you mentioned a little bit of that self-deprecating humor but what you really see comes out in her online presence is more of her very white glove very like customer centric right. ethos and so she's built her you know, personal brand online around that mentality. And it's been very successful, too.
1: Right. And she's somebody like we're very different, but similar. And when you connect and that's why I think we have that mutual respect. And it was great. We were, you know, we were colleagues for several years just to really learn off of each other. We would have calls. And I always find it interesting and uh we can talk about later but i do like a art and design podcast but i always say like we can all look at the sun- sunset the same or we can all look at a landscape the same but how we choose to define that or describe it is always different i'd have these conversations with tacy and we would approach the same problem differently and so then i would take a little bit of what she says and you know what somebody else on the team would say and try to personalize that and make that into how i would talk to people and i think that's really I'm always, I love to hear other, I love when I have group meetings and I, someone comes along with me for a pitch and you hear them describe the same slide or the same problem or the same story differently. And it really kind of, you know, challenges how you approach things. And I, I I love that, the the idea of just being able to be open to continue to evolve.
0: Right, right. Well, see, it's that, that openness is a display of a lack of ego, which actually is the authenticity that's coming out. Let's take a short break.
1: Teams are getting smaller, but you still have to get your research in-field. If only you could partner with a global expert to be an extension of your team without the extra overhead. Look no further. Gazelle Global provides the ad hoc services you need, when you need them. Visit gazelleglobal.com to learn more about how we can handle global sampling, field management, data collection, and more. Our team is ready to lend our expertise to complete projects to your specification. Visit gazelleglobal.com today.
0: Um, Now, you and I talked a little bit about how nobody loves used car salespeople. And yet some people want to go online and insist on being one, which is just very interesting. And you and I always scratch our heads like, is this really working for someone? But maybe give a little bit of insight to some some, maybe some newer salespeople. What were some of your anchors that kept you really going during this really difficult selling season?
1: So early on, like I said, I was... I was out there, you know, had my hunting cap on and was trying to get new meetings and uh, trying to, you know, meet up with folks at conferences and whatever. And it was great. We had a lot of stuff on the docket. And one of the things, again, going back to the, the be a good human was reaching out to the folks and saying, hi, I know that things are a lot different and unexpected from when we first connected we're scheduled to meet in a couple of days. Is that okay with you? Like, are you, are you okay as a person? Is like, is your, is things okay at home? Mm-hmm. Are you used to working from home? Is this okay? Obviously, um, you know, us meeting is, is really important. I have a lot of great information for you, but is it, is that just confirm that that time was okay? Mm-hmm. And if that was a little t- thing that really resonated with people, because, they would get back to me really and say, thank you. You know, I'm trying to figure out this distant learning thing for my kids and working from home and getting access to our systems and just some infrastructure things that were just kind of you could tell. I didn't want it to be that oh, I have this meeting with AJ in 15 minutes and I just really <laughs> I really want to get off because I don't know how to get access to Google classroom for my kid or my, you know, this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. When I, want, when I, when I talk to you, I I want to, I want you to look forward to speaking with me and not be like, Oh, that little notification pops up, you know, that you have a meeting with AJ that it's going to, you're not going to enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was one thing I think to do that. Like we already talked about is, And I think this shouldn't be in this time, but just in general, is that when you're reaching out to somebody, if you can't, you know, sending them a book is never a good idea. I think (laughs) that, you know, and they have their public profile online, you know, spend some time with that or spend some time on their website and listen and listen to what their story is. I I can say that I've signed up for more webinars and online uh, events where somebody else's is speaking so that I can learn more. You know, and see how they're approaching things so that I can at least have a educated, um, you know, back, you know, uh, backstory or learning where their approach is or how they're handling this. And so I would say, right. OK, well, our solution works well because I saw your, uh, you know, how food and restaurants are being impacted by this presentation or webinar you gave last week. And so to be a good listener mm-hmm. is really important. Mm. I think that's that comes in handy.
0: Well, I love that. And actually, you and I have bumped into each other a lot on comments on a lot of really good threads. And that is one thing that really gets overlooked. We've been joking around about how people connect with people and then send them these long missives, you know, on the LinkedIn mail, which, you know, are either highly irrelevant, um, you know, bordering on tone deaf. (laughs) And even Mm -hmm. if they're really great, that can be an effective way to start a conversation or say, you know, hey, I really want to connect meaningfully. Is there a conversation you want to have? Do you want to jump on? a call for 10 minutes and I promise I put my right hand up I swear I will not try and sell you anything let's just connect and really you know being uh, being um, honoring of that that promise but where a lot of people miss and what I see you do really well is I bump into you a lot on comments on really great threads and you either comment or you ask another question keeping a conversation going and that to me speaks volumes about not only personal brand but just salespeople smarts <laughs> because you well, have to you.
1: listen you have to listen in order to comment well yeah and I, and I and part of that is even just trying to realize and maybe another sales technique is that what you're learning about whether it's at a conference or online if you're just so tunnel vision that you only want to hear about online sample all the time and that's it then you're really going to miss a a lot of great connections and stories and like we were talking about before connections are, and that's why they have first and second degree connections and third degree connections so that you can see who, how, how these, you know, Kevin Bacons are happening, right? Mm-hmm. These six degrees. <laughs> and I think it's really important because I have clients and I would love to think that they're going to give me hundred percent of their work all the time, but they do other things. They do, uh, you know, central location focus groups. They do X or they do Y and they're doing different methodologies. If they come to me and ask my opinion and I, and I can't think anything outside of my box of just what I'm doing, it doesn't make me a well-rounded partner, mm. and also, I think that you have to be able to, you know, say no to things. That this isn't a good fit for us, right? right. I mean, at Disco, we don't do B2B. We have people in their jobs because consumers have jobs, but we're not really a huge uh, B2B audience. And so, to be well aware of that is okay. I think it's okay to say no, and it's okay to not be feasible for things. Mm. And that's really and that's really important. I think to be able to to so that when you give your word or you agree to do something, that they know that it's it's of the utmost quality.
0: No, that is that's a beautiful, beautifully put, especially saying no. Um, I think people really respect it, and I do know that you are very interested in playing the long haul game with uh, with relationships that you're building, mm-hmm. and they appreciate it. And then when they do have work for you, they will come back.
1: Right, I think. Yeah. Um, as I said, I've been in the industry 20 years, um, right. but I've only, I've only been in sales, um, let's see seven, if, under, under 10 years. And so right. I started my career in operations. I did uh, web design and it support. I did uh, database backend and Unix. And then I was the first survey programmer at uh, SSI, you know, um, way back in the day. And so I, I come from operations mm-hmm. and one of my best clients to this day, and she and I are, our thick thickest thieves friends is somebody who I, I programmed insanely difficult surveys for time and time again And we spent that time and we built that trust together. I never once was selling her sample I was never I was never even in a sales role. She just knew mm-hmm. that if AJ was on the call It was getting you know, it was getting that, you know, tasty white glove treatment, right? And that's right. Wh- and that's yeah. what she knew And so to this day, if, you know, she calls and we just, we brainstorm and, okay, what about this? What about this? Have you heard about this company? Okay. That, that person's on the board with me or this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. It really, it really goes a long way.
0: So you and I originally met in Vegas. So that was crazy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We love to tell about it. Yeah.
0: It was super fun. Um, And thank you for having me as a a speaker for the Insights Association um, that year, but Will you tell me a little bit about your mix in sales? Because you obviously are out at a lot of events. I've seen you at a lot since then, and now we're going to have a season where events are going to be seen differently. And there, there's no way we're all coming out of this uh, pandemic in with business as usual. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a difference here. Tell me a little bit about how you put face-to-face meetings in the mix and, you know, industry events in the mix and digital in the mix. What What's kind of your thought about about your own sales mix?
1: I think that for me, the, the big takeaway from this is going to be, I think, the power of virtual. I think that's really going to be interesting. I know that traditionally Insights Association has their uh, webinars and those have been, you know, They've been well received in the past, but I think now more than ever, I think it's really going to be a nice, um, you know, pivot point. I think not only for uh, industry events, but I just think work in general and also from, from education at a higher level. So I think that in tough times, you know, innovation comes, and people how people adapt is really important. Uh, I don't think that it'll be able to fully replace face-to-face. I do think that we'll see more meetings done virtually where you're face to face, I think video conferencing, um, which is, uh, you know, I have, uh, people wearing uh, shirts and no pants, you know, type of situations, (laughs) you know, is going to (laughs) increase. I think that, you know, that, that face to face gives people, you know, in the unknown gives them a level level of uh, clarity and, you know, makes them feel uh, a little bit better that they're not alone when they can see somebody versus just talking to them right but i think for me part of my sales is that is the in-person you know is the is the non-sales uh, moments that you have and just kind of you know catching up and uh connecting over sports which is weird will that come back again or music and those type <laughs> of things so i mean there's definitely a lot of unknowns and mm-hmm. I, I think back to before it really kind of became a a thing was that the at quirks brooklyn people were kind of like unsure of what was going to happen and you saw some of the brands kind of get out in front of it, and they had less people that were uh, due to corporate mandates that were, were there. So I think people are adjusting, and, and I think that the, the first few events that are in person, I think, will be really well attended because people are just want to be around other humans. I mean, yeah. I think if folks are, are naturally concerned or conservative about you know these types of things, I, I think it's going to take a while for them to get back into it. You know, folks who are already washing their hands, you know, hundreds of times a day and we're, you know, little OCD or I don't think this is going to help that situation for them. (laughs) And so I think we have to be respectful of that. You know, I could see some sort of hybrid approach for, for those who aren't comfortable that maybe it is a, you know, brick and mortar style conference, but they have, you know, you can get a virtual, you know, um, conference ticket so you can still attend, but not have to, you know, be there in in the masses, so to speak. So that could be, that could be really a positive, right. for, For people.
0: I do think that no matter how this pans out, we're not going to take it for granted again. And I'd like to – that's my hope. I mean, you know, humans are interesting. They forget so quickly. But, you know, I do think that the value that we have and the community that many of us have really built and put into – we value it so deeply, and I think people were maybe at the outsides of it, who are kind of like, "Oh, I like coming to it, but I don't really want to get involved." You know, I think that they realize what a what a beauty it is. You know, it is really cool to come together with other people in your in your field and get a chance to exchange ideas, and it happens differently face to face. So, I do think when it comes back in any way that it that it does come back, I. Don't think people are going to at least at the outset really take it for granted as much as they did in the past.
1: I agree. Um, and then in terms of the insides association as itself, you know the one of the the joys was early, uh, a couple months ago was they had they kind of tied it into the the Southwest uh, double down conference out there. They had our leadership conference and they invited the president elects and presidents from all the chapters around the country. And so we all got together and had a full day of training and ideation and learning and it was really powerful because a we kind of saw behind the, the curtain and i think what a lot of folks don't know is that um, the insights association I, I believe it's maybe 10 full time members it might be less but it's really for an organization that is so impactful to be to really ha- by a team that's wearing you know multiple hats times two is it's really it was really powerful for me to see that uh, I'm really excited um you know with Melanie as the you know the new CEO of Insights Association you know she's really I think what we need at this point in time is she's Absolutely. she talks yeah. the talk she walks the walk and then you know and she's and she's also always you know, open to listen to to new ideas you know which I think is is really great and yeah. um and that was really that was really powerful for me and then we, mm-hmm. I also learned you know that we have a you know Howard uh Feinberg he's a He's a lobbyist for the Insights Association. So he's on the front lines and he's advocating for for laws and for changes and for things that will impact all of our businesses, regardless of methodology, regardless of approach. And that's really a huge point of differentiation, one of the you know key pillars to the Insights Association. He's there in D.C. and fighting for for laws that will impact privacy and how. Uh, businesses are, you know, charged and taxed and and what's happening, you know, with various, um, privacy laws. And it's really, it's really, uh, it's really important and something. You know, as soon as I got back from the conference, I sent him a a note and said, you know, just, I just thanked them, you know, because you don't, you don't realize that. And it was really, it was really important.
0: Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, I don't think he probably gets a lot of thank you notes, so (laughs) that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, let's uh, wrap this up with something a little personal. So tell everybody about um, the podcast that you do on a personal side, Little Passion Project.
1: Right. So uh, and one thing that's helped me early on in my career, I used to do uh, college radio for about 10 years. I didn't take 10 years to graduate, but I did 10 years of college radio. And uh, from there, I managed a band, which really helped me become you know, uh, I think a good salesperson um, trying to book a random band in a small town in, you know, Georgia on a Tuesday. You know, it's kind of you get a lot of folks hanging up on you. So I I don't mind a, a good cold call. And, I have, you know, I had kids. I have two boys and I, I needed something. I needed, like you said, a passion project, something creative. And I really am big into craft beer. I I, I enjoy it. And I really with my background in marketing and research, you were seeing kind of the a lot of these uh, – Labels and designs that are becoming really creative, and you know, the idea they're fighting for, for shelf space. So I, I have a, a podcast called the the 16 ounce canvas, the art of craft beer, where we interview the various artists and designers from around the world, and we like to say, who help bring your favorite beers and breweries to life. And wow. so it's really um, it's really just an opportunity for us to talk to these folks. Um, we've interviewed people in 12 different countries. We have uh, about 145 episodes and really just um, it's a nice opportunity to learn someone's personal story. You know, one of the segments that's become really popular is like shitty jobs that you've had. And I think they're I think they're really important. <laughs> I know it sounds weird to say that.
0: Actually that would be the most interesting discussion and I actually really enjoy it on your podcast. So I I I think that's I, I think it's actually one of those things again that is this personal branding differentiation and it just helps people think differently about who they are and what they've been through and be able to to give their story just some life and something more memorable. So I think it's super brilliant.
1: Yeah, because and it was just a natural thing, right? And it was just kind of like everyone would say, oh, I had this job or I was at this agency or I did this and it was awful. And then I decided I need to be my own boss. I need to decide I'd make this change. And I think that, you know, bad bosses, bad companies, you know, even bad pitches or, you know, bad advice. I think that all helps you realize the, the way that things should be or what you can do differently. So it's really been a lot of fun. You know, we've been able to do a couple um, uh, charity events from that. We've, we've rented out a few art galleries and done, you know, art shows and all the money has gone to, you know, various, you know, charities. We did one for autism. We did one for cancer research. So the, really kind of just trying kind of tie uh, time back into just being a, you know, just being a good human.
0: I love it. I love it. Okay, well, let's end on a really quick rapid fire. So right. favorite podcast you have going on? You can't pick mine. You can't pick yours. What do you like?
1: Uh, I really like, uh, and I'm not sure if it falls in the podcast category, but Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. We, I think that's oh, a good yeah. one that we can watch <laughs> and it's a good one that we can do with the kids. So I think that's like also important so they can see it and it's it's funny and it's it's uh, topical and it's really smart. So yeah, yeah. We, we really like that one, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me.
0: I remember when I had to wait for it to come on the radio on Saturdays. Now you can just listen yeah. to it when you want. <laughs> yeah, that's Same what it thing was. with This American Life. I remember getting to parties and be like, I can't go in because I'm, I've am i got like at least a half an hour left on this story and you'd never be able to find it again. So it's really changed and improved my life by having it as a podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, uh, and it, and it, yeah. And like Tom Odette of Motel 6, like he's a like regular character and he's just like the – we'll leave the light on for you guy. And like, right. that's like, but he's like now like a comedy guy. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. That's super cool. What about an app? Do you have a go-to app that you just love?
1: Um, I think if I'm uh, trying to be healthy, my fitness pal is a really great one um, for with the kids and kind of trying to get them to relax, go to bed. We use headspace. It's kind of like our breathing and relaxing. And then music is so important. So I, I would Spotify is a, probably my go-to all the time.
0: love it. What about a book? Anything interesting you've been reading or something you always come back to?
1: Uh, s- something I, uh, well, I think from the music side of my life is I would, I would go with some great, the wheels on fire. It's a LeVon Helm story and then hammer the gods. It's a, a Led Zeppelin uh, story, which is pretty amazing. And currently I'm reading, uh, finding your element, uh, Ken Robinson. And then uh, I really like Jonah Berger. He has a new book out, the, the catalyst. And then, um, there there's a amazing designer, which folks may not know, Aaron Draplin. And he has a book, it's called pretty much everything. And it's basically his this kind of like life story in design. And he's all about like simple, powerful designs. And I really like that a lot.
0: No, it's just what's coming out from that. You love to hear from other people's stories. You find value in other people's journey.
1: Yeah. our our bucket, common thread there. Our, our yeah. bucket list item is, yeah, for, is, to, is to do a coffee table book from the podcast. But or, you know, we'll see how that goes. So well, I if, I say it more, if I say it more, it becomes reality. So we'll see. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. I love it. I love it. But well, there are beautiful designs, even on the website for the podcast. You see the beautiful designs and, and you should check that out, which while we're saying that, what what's the pod, podcast website so other people can go check it out?
1: We keep it. Simple. So it's uh 16ozcanvas.com. So it's just basically like 16 ounce canvas, and that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere is the same. So we just try to keep it clean.
0: Awesome. Okay, so this is AJ Kieran's, and I'm gonna actually spell this for you A J and then Kieran's K-E-I-R-A-N-S. He is the VP of client development at Disco. Make sure you go out on LinkedIn and connect with him. And as always, we really value your opinion and your feedback. If you can go out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you downloaded this podcast and give us a rating, we would love it because that's how other people discover what we're doing. And if you could go out there and give a rating, that would be great. But in the comments, maybe you could take a stab at guessing what <laughs> AJ actually stands for. That'll be a fun. We like to bring something else fun in. This is in the spirit of AJ, and in the same spirit that I always meet him out on digital, is to put a little bit of personal branding in it. So let's take a let's take a stab at it and then we'll make AJ reveal it.
1: How about that? All right.
0: That? I love right. it. Thanks
1: so much, Priscilla. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. it Absolutely. Pleasure and honor to be part of uh be part of the the, the guests. Uh, you've had some great ones. So thank, oh. thank you so much.
0: Well, it took us long enough to have you on, but um, here's here's to ending the year much better than what we've been experiencing lately. And it's really fun to have great people along on the ride with us. So from all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing.